From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. The Fortune 500 is the iconic list of large companies in this country. When you've made the Fortune 500, you know you've made the big time. It's a measure of prestige. It says they're big enough to play with the big boys. Welcome to the Frosty Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost. With me, as always, Tony Perenni. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Podbean. We are on Twitter. You can find us at FrostyPod. And, Tony, we are looking in to our last game of the regular season. There's a lot at stake as we look forward to this week. And this past week, not a whole lot of games were very close, but some major implications. Yeah, we have three of our four toilet bowl spots solidified. It's going to be a big battle this week for that fourth one. Uh, a lot of people going to be nervous going into this weekend to, to see if they end up in that last spot there and out of the playoffs. Um, and still some things to, to be said in the playoffs as well, you know. Number one seed is up for grabs this week in a big matchup with uh, with Vince and Kevin. And then the rest of the seeding is at stake. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said here. Uh, the schedule maker did a great job putting this together. There's a lot of drama going into the last week. Um, I'm, I'm ready, ready to get after it, Derek. Well, then let's get after it. Opening bell presented by Dunder Mifflin Paper Company Incorporated. And as we look into that game of the week last week, we saw your nooks and fannies going up against Kevin Hulick's law offices of Saul Goodman. And Kevin's streak continues as he takes you down 165.5 to 133.2. And Kevin just having a monster week. Uh, as we look at his, his roster top to bottom, Deshaun Watson with 18.9. Josh Jacobs was really his down spot at 4.6. But Derrick Henry at 28.5. DeAndre Hopkins, 27.4. Chris Godwin, 37.4. Jared Cook, 21.9. DJ Chark, 10.8. Uh, and then Pat's defense, you know, they looked uh, okay, get seven points against Dallas. But, you know, Kevin's roster, top to bottom, just putting out some incredible numbers. Yeah, my team just ran into a buzzsaw this week, really. If you look at Kevin's team, his team put up nine touchdowns this week, which is nearly unheard of in the world of fantasy football. Um, there, there was no competing with him. I, I think I think for the most part, the roster I put together had a pretty decent week outside of Aaron Jones, who ran into a really stingy 49ers team that just completely dominated the Packers. Uh, the rest of the lineup put together pretty admirable showing but it wasn't even close in this battle. Kevin wraps up the warehouse division. It is just a Herculean effort on his part coming from where he came from. This is six straight wins going for seven this week to end the season. He's got a first round bye locked up. He's looking to wrap up the president's cup this week and the number one overall seed. Um, it's, it's just spectacular for, for Kevin because coming into the season, we thought he had the weakest roster and he has really uh, told us to shut up in a big way. Yeah, this has just been – it's not just the Pats defense. I know he got kind of upset when he was on, you know, that we kept saying Pats defense. But 
he found some some heroes amongst guys that really I mean DJ Chark I'd never heard of him before <laughs> before you started going off but he has really become a great he has him in his flex spot but he's really been you know pretty much a, a wide receiver one you know and then you have DeAndre Hopkins and Chris Godwin actually in those spots so I've just been ultra impressed you know and on on Kevin's bench is Mark Ingram with 24.8 I mean his team is deep they're good they they always produce I mean and it's just been that that Cinderella story where you know we were talking you know, halfway through the season about, is it too late for Kevin? And essentially he had to go on almost uh, on a perfect run and has with this being the sixth win in a row, just absolutely incredible. Yeah. I know he hassled us quite a bit about the Patriots defense thing, but in a way the Patriots defense held down the fort for him those first couple of weeks until the rest of his team got into form and then they kept performing, maybe not at the level they did at the beginning of the season, but the rest of the team caught up, and all of a sudden he's blowing teams out. He's the high scorer in the league now. Um, and he, he's a very skilled fantasy coach. We, we know this going back to last year. Um, he had some bad injury concerns last year. He had uh, that, that trade that was much maligned, sending Saquon over to, to Steve, got Kareem Hunt, and then got Kenyon Drake back from him, got really nothing from Kenyon Drake, got literally nothing from Kareem Hunt, who ended up suspended for the rest of the year, and still got his team to the playoffs and to the semifinals. You know, he's, he's one of our more skilled coaches. Uh, just look at look at a couple weeks ago where he puts Christian Kirk in the lineup for the first time all year. He puts up 37 points. Uh, Kev, this spot is well-earned for Kevin. Uh, definitely uh, well-earned by on his part, and he is going to be a tough, tough out in the playoffs for whoever has to play him because he's looking like the team to beat right now. Looking at the other team to beat here is Vince Gorgonzola, who gets the win over Joe Reedy's Footloose Prosthetics, 126.7 to 104. And Vince sitting uh, in the first in the sales team division at 8-4 and four now. He got some good production out of Sam Darnold, who he had to play with Pat Mahomes on a bye. But Darnold gives him 28.2 points. Um, otherwise, George Kittle with that San Francisco game against Green Bay, looked great. He was projected for 15, ends up with uh, just shy of 25. And Odell Beckham Jr. finally getting that touchdown as they took care of Miami. Odell Beckham Jr. scoring 20.4 points. On the other side, Joe didn't have a bad game, but just not a great game. He got 25 points out of Allen Robinson. Uh, but only nine and a half out of Russell Wilson, who we expected was going to do a lot better than that. And Bears D gets him six. So right about that, that pedestrian effort, as you like to say. Um, so Joe falling down into 500 now at six and six. Yeah, big win for Vince. He survived the Patrick Mahomes bye week. Gets a big, big effort from Sam Darnold. Uh, doesn't really get anything from uh, from his running back, Saquon and Hunt. Uh, definitely not the type of output you look for from your running backs, and he still ends up with the victory. So got to feel good about that from Vince's standpoint. Even when you didn't have your best stuff, you still came away with the victory. And uh, I'd like to say he is locked up sales team division champion. There's still a slim, slim chance that Dave can steal it from him, Uh, but we're likely looking at Vince as the uh, sales team division champ here in his first season in the league. So big congrats to Vince. Uh, on the other side, Joe finds himself in some very shaky territory going into this week. 
you know, needed needed a win there to kind of distance himself in the crowd. And uh, he finds himself right now, if the, if the week, if the league ended this week, he would be in toilet bowl playoffs. And uh, his team has been up and down all year. Uh, mentioned last week that I thought last week was going to be the week that Le'Veon Bell finally won a week for him. And uh, we're still waiting. That didn't happen. Uh, the Jets have a very favorable schedule down the stretch. So it'd be interesting to see if he can get on track there. Uh, also had some pretty big buys to deal with with Tyreek Hill and Keenan Allen. So he gets those guys back next week in a big matchup against Dave, the engineers end game as Kevin is coining it. Um, I think it's going to be a big one because if Joe loses this one, it's likely he ends up in the toilet bowl playoffs. Moving on here, Charlie Thurber's capital expenditures took out Tyler Kerr's Cyberdyne Systems 143 to 60.7. Uh, Tim Taft's The Green Dragon sneaks out a win against Kalen King's Prestige Worldwide 81.9 to 80. Uh, and that was a, a very close game with some big implications there for seeding in the toilet bowl. Uh, but looking over here to the Meanderwood melee, Tony, Dave Pestian super sack gets the win. 138.6 to Steve Groover's 107. No stat correction needed as Dave has really owned this rivalry, beating Steve both times. Getting a great showing out of Christian McCaffrey, 34.3 points out of him, but not the top scorer on his team. That goes to Jarvis Landry at 36.8 points. Jarvis also getting that great win against Miami. On the other side there for for Steve, Lamar Jackson did everything he could, putting up 36.3, but just not quite enough to overcome what Peshton's side was able to do. Yeah, McCaffrey and Landry's effort was spectacular there for Dave, and uh, it, it distanced him from Steve very quickly this week. Uh, put Steve in a big hole going into Monday night's game with only Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews left to go. Uh, Lamar did everything in his power to try and get Steve across that finish line, but the, the gap was just too big. Uh, Dave gets a big win, sweeps the season series, and locks himself up a playoff berth. Uh, we were really hard on him at the beginning of the year. He got off to a really slow start um, and ended up getting himself back into playoff contention and turning the ship around. And uh, he's he's in really good shape going to the playoffs now, Derek. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, he does have an outside chance of taking first in the sales team division, uh, which has been ultra competitive. So the fact that he's able to do that, you know, I I'd per- we talked about at the beginning of this season – after the draft that I thought Dave's roster was, was pretty good, but the issue was depth. And throughout the year, he struggled with depth a bit, but has really been able to, through the waiver wire, solidified his team and his bench getting 80 points this week. So not a bad showing from the bench. Uh, I mean, you know, Jameis Winston on his, on his uh, bench at quarterback would have out outplayed Tom Brady. So his ceiling could have even been higher than that. So Dave has really, I, I think, worked on his team throughout the year. He went for Antonio Brown. Obviously, all those issues came about. And so he he started scrambling there and, and struggled. But 
Dave, I've been really impressed. You know, we talked about Kevin's meteoric rise. Dave's done it a little quieter and a little slower, but Dave has certainly bounced back. Yeah, and we haven't gotten to run the uh, numbers as far as individual players go in the season is who's uh, who's shining, who isn't. But I, I think it's pretty clear to say that Christian McCaffrey is probably the fantasy MVP of 2019. And he has kept Dave afloat in weeks where the rest of his team didn't show up. And as the rest of his team did start to show up, uh, the wind started to show up as well because McCaffrey was still doing what he does, putting up 30 plus points a week. Uh, he's been sensational and he's a big, big key reason why Dave's in the position he is right now. And that'll do it for the opening bell presented by Dunder Mifflin paper company incorporated. Stick with us. You know, Tony, there's a lot of great cities in this world, but what would you say is the number one best city in the world? That has to be New York City, Derek. I agree. You know, the the melting pot of the, the United States, it really is, is the iconic place. And we love iconic places. We are the Fortune 500 League, the iconic group of teams. And Tony, New York is known for a few things number one the pizza number two the people and number three the skyline tony and when you think of that skyline is there a particular building that really stands out to you oh that's an easy one there for sure the gnb building the goliath national bank building and they're they're nice enough to sponsor our forecast segment do you know that building was designed by a gentleman named ted mosby who has really started to transform his career from designing state-of-the-art skyscrapers to doing in-home contract work through his company, Mosbius Designs. No job too big or too small. I mean, the guy's designed skyscrapers, and he'd be happy to help you remodel your kitchen, remodel your bathroom, build maybe a miniature version of the GNB building in your front lawn. My man Ted at Mosbius Designs is offering a special to the Frosty Podcast listeners just in time for Black Friday. If you call his his team up, let them know what you're looking for. He'll get out the next day to quote you. And if you mention that you heard about it on the Frosty Podcast, he's going to knock 20% off the total for whatever project you need done. Give him a call today. Or stop online at mosbiusdesigns.com slash frosty to get all the latest. That's mosbiusdesigns.com slash frosty. Tony, this is week 13. And this is our final week of the regular season. So we have some major playoff implications at play. And I think a lot of teams have already clinched their destiny. So, Tony, let's start here first. Who has clinched the toilet bowl? In the toilet bowl playoffs right now, you have Tyler Kerr's Cyberdyne Systems, Tim Taft's Green Dragon, and Kalen King's Prestige Worldwide. Right now, Kalen is in the in the front of that pack by total points, with Tim in second and uh, Tyler bringing up the rear in that number ten spot. Um, but going into this week, there's some big implications going into that game. Um, you have the Rumpus in Columbus coming up, round two. 
And in this one, you know, the winner gets to avoid that number 10 spot. And I think, I think it's going to be really critical uh, for those in the toilet bowl playoff area right now to avoid that number 10 spot, because if you're in that spot, you're facing the seventh seed, who is going to be a team that is also in the playoff uh, playoff picture right now. It's going to drop down and is probably been functioning at a little higher level for most of the season than your team has. So um, it, it's going to be a big, big matchup this week for really all these teams. But if you're, if you're Tyler and Kalen going up against each other, you can control your destiny a little bit, win that game and you will not be in the number 10 speed in the number 10 spot. So uh, that's, that's huge on that side, Derek. Yeah. And all three of those teams are currently sitting at four and eight as we look into week 13, which is why that rumpus and Columbus rematch is so big. Tim going up against you, Tony becomes a big game for Tim. Uh, now, who has clinched the playoffs? In the playoffs so far, you have Vince Gorgonzola's Grandpa's Cheese Barn. Uh, you have Kevin Hewlett's Law Offices of Saul Goodman getting there with a big win over my team last week. And you have Dave Peston's Super Sack. Now, uh, Coach Hewlett has locked up the Warehouse Division Championship and has locked up a first-round bye at this point. Uh, There is no way my team can catch him, even with a victory and a a Kevin loss next week. So uh, sip some champagne there, Kevin. You uh, you have yourself a division title on the sales team side. uh, There is still a slight outside chance that Dave can catch Vince. He's 26 points down right now. It is not insurmountable. uh, But with the way uh, Vince's team has been scoring for most of the season, it is unlikely that he'll be able to catch him. Vince most likely has a sales team division championship, but we might have to wait another week to fully announce that. Uh, With a win this week, Dave will at the least lock up the number three seed. So if, if Vince loses and Dave wins by at least 26 more points than Vince scores, Dave overtakes Vince. Is that correct? It would need to be 27, but that's correct. That okay. is correct. I think I believe I believe the gap's about 26.6 right now. So, not not insurmountable by any stretch. We we've seen yeah. gaps like that close this year, but uh, last week was one of Vince's lower scoring weeks. He's he's been putting up points on a pretty regular basis. He gets Patrick Mahomes back next week. His team would really have to shit the bed next week to end up in that number three spot, rather than a first round buy, but it's possible. So I want, I want to hold off another week on, on naming him sales team division champ. Sure. And if we look right now, uh, Vince is projected 121.8 going into this game and Dave 126.5. So obviously not projected to, to get that, those 27 points over Vince that Dave would need. So Tony, that leaves us with four teams that we haven't talked about. So what what do these scenarios look like? Well, right now, if the season ended today, Joe Reed's Footloose Prosthetics would be sitting there in the toilet bowl playoffs uh, with Steve's team, Charlie's team, and my own team going to the playoffs uh, back in their way in. Now, there's a lot of for grabs this week coming up. We already mentioned the engineers endgame, uh, Joe versus Dave. Uh, yeah, it's critical on Joe's part that he beats Dave. If he does not beat uh, Dave this week, uh, 
he's going to have a hard time avoiding the toilet bowl playoffs. Now, if, if he loses to Dave and Tim also beats me, we will go towards a total points tiebreaker from there, which right now my team currently holds and holds by uh, about 19 points. So definitely not an insurmountable amount, um, but the front runner would definitely be Joe in that instance for going to the toilet bowl. Now, if, if both of our teams also win, um, or taking a step back, let's say Joe beats Dave and Tim beats me, my team goes to the toilet bowl. It's, it's a pretty simple equation from there. And if you flip that, if Joe's team loses and my team wins, then there's no tiebreaker, Joe's team goes. It's nice and simple at that point. Now, if both uh, my team wins and Joe team win, Joe's team wins, things get a little interesting from there. And all eyes will go to that Rocky Top Rumble, round two between Steve and Charlie. If Steve beats Charlie, and as I mentioned, myself and Joe already win, Charlie will end up in the toilet bowl playoffs just because of the the low amount of points he's put up all year. Uh, He will not be able to put up enough points this week to close that gap. It's it's not going to be possible. Um, He really dug himself a hole with the points forced earlier in the season. So if he loses and both myself and Joe win, he's going to end up in the toilet bowl playoffs. If Charlie manages to beat Steve a second time and both myself and Joe have won, it's going to go to a three-way tie, which will be broken by, by total points between myself, Joe, and Steve, which right now Steve would hold that edge and would go to the playoffs. I would be second. It would also go to the playoffs and Joe would end up in the toilet bowl. But once you leave it up to points, uh, anything can happen. So, uh, there's definitely some really interesting scenarios that can happen this week, Derek. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people nervous all the way to the end, me included. Yeah, I mean, we may have a 7-6 and six team in, in the toilet bowl, which is absolutely incredible. Very possible. Yeah, we mentioned it last week. and uh, I'm, I'm not sure if everybody thought we were serious in, in talking about that, but it, it's a very, very real possibility. Uh, both myself and Joe win, then you will have a seven and six team in the toilet bowl playoffs, which just speaks to the parody of our league overall. I don't, I'm not sure we've ever had a team with a winning record drop down into the, into the lower bracket like this. So um, it's, it's going to add, it's going to make for a lot of fun going into this weekend. You have uh you have Vince and Kevin's team also at the top. They will be, they will be playing this weekend. Winner gets the number one seed. We all obviously mentioned uh, Vince doesn't totally have the sales team division wrapped up, but uh, will most likely end up being the champ. But if he can knock off Kevin, he could also take a, take away the number one seed in the entire league. Um, but that that's up for grabs this week. So uh, pretty much there's, there's some sort of implications for every single game this weekend, which really makes it fun going into week 13. Yeah, I would say follow the Twitter this weekend for all the latest on on these playoff scenarios and and what's going on with the teams. That's where uh, the information will be coming out. Uh, that in the Discord app for those who are who are in the league. Uh, but Tony, uh, great work on this because this is this is complex. There's a lot of moving parts here. Um, but uh, how are how are you feeling as as a as a coach going into this week? 
Uh, nervous. Um, definitely nervous because uh, my team is heavily projected this week and uh, shouldn't be a week where I need to be that nervous, but that hasn't meant anything all season long. My team has regularly underperformed their projection, so puts me in a position where going into week 13, I, I really need to uh, be, uh, be on the edge of my seat and uh, hoping my guys can bail me out one last time here and get me to the playoffs where anything can happen from there. Yeah, and I think in any other any other week, I would say, you know, looking at projections, you're you're looking good, but this is a rivalry game against Tim, and so you know these rivalry games are always interesting. You you took them last time, and obviously we'll we'll pick this game officially in the forecast, but uh, you took them last time, but he gave up pretty good fight putting up 145 points on you, and we'll see we'll see what he's able to do this time, but you know as as it currently reads. You know, you're projected to win this one, and it, yeah, it'll, it's all out the window though when you when you start talking rivalries. Oh yeah, we have and we have a number of rivalries this weekend. So, uh, in in a rivalry game, you throw out the projections, you throw out the records. None of it matters. I know, you know, both teams are going to put up their best effort to beat the the competitors they're going against. So, it's going to make for a, a really fun, really fun afternoon of games. Uh, going to make for a lot of nerves a lot of drama uh really what we all hoped for when we went back to august and look forward to this league you hope that going into week 13 you'd have um a very dramatic end to the season like this and we're getting it it's delivering so uh this this is this is awesome for us it's awesome for us as as podcast hosts to be able to talk about something like this and uh i think everybody in the league is is really having a lot of fun with it too and is really going to have their eyes riveted to the screen this week Oh yeah, you know. So as as it sits right now, Joe is projected to lose. You're projected to win. So if projections hold true, Joe Reedy will be in the toilet bowl at six and seven. So we'll find out. But that'll do it here for our playoff scenarios. Uh, stick with us for more Frosty Podcast. As I mentioned last week, Tony and I are taking this show on the road in our Frosty Live Tour, and I'm really excited to announce we've had additional cities added. So already we have Cleveland, Youngstown, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Toronto. We've added a bunch of cities on the West Coast, San Diego, San Francisco, Seattle, Washington, and we're going to end our tour in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is a must-see show. We're going to be talking all things Fortune 500 League, all things football, and all things that are awesome about the Fantasy Football League. You can get your tickets today at TicketGeek.com slash Frosty. That's TicketGeek.com slash Frosty. And remember, enter promo code TONY. We hope to see you there. For our next segment, we're going to welcome back intern Vince Gorgonzola, where he will talk to us about all the in-depth analytics he's looked into in this week's edition of the Fortune 500 ESPN Fantasy Football Analytics, brought to you by Nextel. Communication is easier with Nextel. Vince, I know you got a lot in store for us, so go ahead and take it away. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me on, folks. Appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I know that there was a raving reviews about the numbers, a couple of uh, uh, fair arguments against uh, my analysis. And, you know, that I think that is the 
um, the the essence of taking numbers and trying to make a story out of them. So I appreciate the feedback. A lot of smart people in this league. Um, and I think we'll also prove out uh, that, you know, that some of those numbers still were meaningful um, and that the analysis was sound, but then some other pl places that we needed to make some improvements. So one of the things that we did um, and, and the next gen stats with uh, w with this uh, analytics is bringing in the, you know, the max possible that you could score and seeing what uh, what your record would be if you had played against your opponent as is. So they played and they scored what they were going to score and what they did score versus what you could potentially have scored. Um, and, the you know, so if you made some better decisions uh, and 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 therefore your team did uh, did better, but the, your opponent still made the same decisions, what would that record have been? And obviously these records can hold true for every single team because it's the best possible for each team. But it's it's just very interesting to see um, top three teams out of that analysis. Kevin coming up at the top again with 11 and one record. So really amazing to see, uh, you know, Kevin's team quietly in the background for the first half of the season. Obviously the hottest team right now in the league. And he could have potentially have been an 11-1 team if he made better decisions and his opponent made the same decisions. Um, not surprisingly, myself, being at 10-2 and two in this best possible win record uh, analysis. Uh, the other one that's kind of interesting, uh, I think, and, and as it defies most of the other analytics, is Charlie's team potentially being at nine and or ten and two, and uh, now it being two of the rookies this year, the two rookies performing better than most teams potentially uh, all season. Very interesting. Um, but then you have your the rest of the sales team division: Steve, Dave, and Joe all at nine and three, and then your warehouse division at Joe, uh, Tony at seven and five. Uh, Kaylin at seven to five, Tim at seven to five, and Ty at six and six at the best possible win record. So clearly the sales team is the the stronger division. Uh, Warehouse is just kind of uh, it's Tony and Kevin really leading the charge there, and Kevin uh, showing his strength, especially at the end of the season here. One of the other uh, analyses that we put in here is actually looking at your total uh, your, your variance of your actual results versus your projected results. So this is out of the lineup that you put in there. What was your projection out of that lineup? Which in most cases, I think you would put in your best projected lineup. Uh, you maybe put a couple people that you think are gonna outperform the projection or gonna underperform the projection. Um, that's, you know, next gen stats even for maybe next week, uh, uh, if I'm bored enough, that I may have actually put that in there and, and see a little bit of analysis there. But basically saying, uh, you know, are you, consistently overperforming your projection or underperforming your projection and how good is your coaching in this whole grand scheme of the things. Uh, and so looking at, uh, at, at where we're at for the full season, this is including week 12, um, the top two teams in the league that are consistently performing above projections. Uh, this is Vince and Kevin, myself, you know, and Kevin. Uh, and, the, and it kind of aligns with, you know, the top records. We're both sitting at a bye for the playoffs brackets uh, I've got about uh, a 70 point total uh, variance versus the projected points that I could have had each week uh, summed up for the season. And Kevin coming in at a staggering 144.7 points above his projected totals. So, uh, you know, you look at the, the, the end of the season here, um, it's really kind of just skyrocketed for him. But even still, there's there's situations where Kevin probably could have won had, you know, had he put in the right players. But consistently still overperforming and probably in games more than he should have been uh, based on his actual projected points. So very impressive. Um, 
Sorry, Kalen, uh, your team is performing the worst against projection. Uh, further completing the story of what a turd your team has been all year. Poor, poor, poor coaching and general management. Uh, you know, you, you, you've taken the, the worst players on your team. Uh, you haven't coached them up, and they've been performing poorly each and every single game at a staggering 85 points uh, negative against your projected totals uh, each week. So, uh, sorry, Kalen. Uh, now, amazingly, Steve's team is one of the lowest in the performing against projection, uh, you know, sitting at 46 points negative versus projected points. So Steve is actually sitting at a seven to five record right now, potentially, you know, when we, we, we talked about in the, the best possible winning record and also kind of stands for the max possible win record. Um, he's actually one of the top teams, but he's consistently underperforming his projection. So if Steve's team had been performing like they should be, Steve probably would be top of the league. And and it just further says that, you know, karma's a bitch. And finally, Steve, you're getting what's deserved. So I'm not I have no sympathy for you. And I uh, and I will, uh, you know, I, I will if I play against you in the playoffs, I hope for the best. But uh, according to the statistics right now, you don't have a you don't have a chance. So uh, good luck. Um, now, not surprisingly, Ty's team is god awful and is consistently underperforming against projection. So, looking at Ty's team, he's uh, about a negative 70 points uh, versus uh, his projection. And I mean, you look at the the points for for the season; he's he's amongst the lowest, and uh, um, and and so he's performing as best as he possibly can be, but it's still even lower than than his projection. So. Uh, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't surprise us why, you know, Ty's team is uh, in the state that it is. Uh, now, I guess where to go from the question of, of the, the previous podcast where you had me on uh, asking what turd are we polishing the best? And I'd say Tony's team probably proves that the most that he's polishing the, the prettiest turd that I've ever seen, uh, trying to keep that turd out of the toilet bowl. He's scoring fifth most out of the league, yet fourth worst in actual versus projected points. So he is, by a stroke of luck, I think, actually getting uh, some wins out of here and scoring pretty well. Yet, you know, when he puts his team in, he he assumes they're going to outperform, you know, perform at a certain level, and they always underperform. And and so I guess it, he's he's making the right decisions. He's putting the players in that they need to be, um, and he's got a pretty solid team, but they should be doing even better. Uh, so, uh, you know, really... Uh, I think Tony could be in a much better spot this year had he been performing at projected uh, points here. Um, I, and I think the, the question of the day really is, I mean, should you go with your gut or should you go with sound analytics? And and really, um, it, 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 I haven't had any uh, any kind of indication of either or. It, it sometimes is, you know, some players, uh, for example, Lamar Jackson. I, I mean, who would have thought that he would have been performing the way he has been all year? Uh, but he's been consistently outperforming his projected points, especially in this past week. I mean, almost getting 37 points. I think projected was a 20-something. So uh, decisions like that, uh, if you consistently can make those decisions and say, I'm going to have I'm going to have that player, I'm going to start them each and every week. Um, sometimes that may be a gut feel. Sometimes that's historical trends. Sometimes it's matchups. Um, there's really not a good way to determine how you should start a player. But, uh, but it just kind of begs, you know, it, what this analysis shows is, um, are you consistently making the right choices of I've made the break, you know, I put the right person in there. So uh, very interesting. Um, and another couple of, uh, you know, points of, of the analysis uh, just for this specific week in week 12, you know, Tony had no chance against Kevin, really, uh, even at Tony's max performance. 
uh, for week 12, Kevin's team was going to uh, to beat him. So uh, it's it just kind of showcases again once you know that sh- Kevin's the front runner. I think for for this playoff run, he probably will win the uh, the league this year. Um, when you look at Steve's week, he had a bunch of people on by, and it absolutely destroyed him, leaving him you know no room to to perform and ample room for Dave's team to crush him. And I really think that something we should think about is Dave's team is quietly. Uh, one of the stronger teams of the year, especially in this this back half. So Kevin and Dave's team have really risen, and Dave is pretty sound into making a playoff spot here. And uh, I, I think that he can potentially uh, have a chance in, at the at, at a run for the win here. Um, and then Ty, I mean, really, I, I guess uh, sharpen your pencil. You're probably going to be the last one. And Joe. You had a really strong run, uh, but I, I think that in, at the end of it, you you just didn't have the fuel necessary to make the make the changes and, and turn your team around to to kind of push through the end of the season here. But uh, overall, I think um, uh, it, it's just still a really competitive uh, uh, league, uh, despite there being some underperformers. I mean, we're really we're we're picking out um, the the. The, the least amount of error uh, versus a little bit of error. So really um, just a, a phenomenal league this year. Um, obviously next year, I think you could take these analytics and start to rethink your draft strategy and maybe make some better decisions throughout the year on trades and who you actually start throughout the year and maybe your um, your overall strategy for uh, starts and, and sits. Back to you, Derek Atoni. Thanks, Vince, again for for all of that. Um, so, so to kind of distill it down here, uh, what do you think? What I guess, what's your number one takeaway? I would say my number one takeaway is that um, what the analytics show is that for the most part, the the top performers and the lowest performers. Uh, the numbers across the board, whether you look at it in a in a way of saying what the actual record is, the actual points for, and the and and the max possible, um, the best possible win record, um, the variance per- versus projection, for the most part, it's consistent with uh, who is actually uh, performing, uh, in, you know, in in the actual results. So, um, the I, I think what we can what we could basically do is take this kind of trend throughout the year, maybe for next year, you know, and say, who do we actually think is going to be, you know, the power ranking uh, top performer? Who do we think is going to actually make the playoffs? Um, and, and, and maybe for people that are, um, uh, you know, trying to figure out what they're doing uh, wrong this year, what they can do better next year, uh, take these analytics and say, I can learn from my mistakes and, 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 and make a better decision next year on my draft and, um, and I think the other piece that might be interesting is saying how much do people spend on certain players that didn't pan out for them versus how much did you actually spend where, you know, they're performing out um, past a projection and, and a much better decision or trades that didn't go so well. So a lot of people making a lot of trades throughout the year. Did that really, did that strategy really help them or not? And, uh, I think these, these numbers can potentially show that, that, um, you know, Looking at Kevin, I, I don't know too much of his activity throughout the year. I don't know if he had a ton in terms of trades um, versus I know Tony had a bunch of trades. Some of those panned out. Some of those didn't. So, um, you know, maybe that's not the best strategy. Uh, and I, I was a part of a lot of trades in the beginning of the season. The end of the season, I kind of uh, been riding out my players. Um, but they've also, you know, a lot of them have been sitting on the bench. 
uh, without any potential, um, you know, scores. I was waiting for them to come back. Maybe like Kareem Hunt, for example, I was waiting for him to, uh, uh, guys, you know, waiting for him to come back from injury reserve. So that's probably one of the reasons why, uh, my, my, my projection versus actual, I mean, obviously I wasn't going to play that person. And so they didn't have a, an impact on that, on that record. Um, max possible. They obviously weren't going to impact my decision on who I was going to play because those people were going to score zero no matter what. So um, now in the, is it going to hurt us, hurt me for the, for the playoff run potentially? Cause I didn't, I make, I could have picked up other people throughout that time. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it, it, the, it shows uh, who's performing the best and, and, uh, and, and it's pretty consistent across all these different uh, metrics. Great stuff again here, Vince. And I, just my, my big takeaway here, looking at this, and I wanted to get your opinion on it, looking at Kevin's total variance, his, his actual versus projection for the entire year, uh, he scored 145 points more than his projection for the entire year. Am I reading that right? That's correct. Does, is, do you think that's sustainable for the, the duration of the playoffs and everything? That seems like a a statistical anomaly almost for someone to be that consistently over their projections. I mean, the the people that make their projections on ESPN are paid professionals who do this. Um, And over, over the course of the year on average, they tend to be in the ballpark on most of these guys. Um, And obviously you can see in here, there's, there's teams that have benefited from guys from teams being from their players being way over the projection, way under in my case, way under, but uh, Kevin's numbers right here are staggering. I think I think we all had an idea that this is about where it was going to be, but when you put the numbers in front of you, um, it, it's crazy to look at. Do you think this is sustainable for the rest of the way for him? I think it varies week by week. Um, you know, it, it's 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 definitely it, it gives him the the edge in the uh, when you look at a you know if you were if you were a betting person and you would say. I think that either Kevin's going to win or his opponent's going to win. I would give a little bit of extra bump to the projected number for Kevin. But, you know, looking at week one, for example, uh, his projection was 119. He scored 162, and he won that week. Week two, his, his projection was 115. He scored basically on that, 114, and he lost that week. Uh, the next week, he was projected 118, scored 135, lost that week. Uh, and the following week, he scored less than his projection. Then the following week, he scored more than his projection and still lost both of those weeks. And then the following week, again, scored more than his projection so, and, and lost that week. So it, it really I, it flip-flops throughout the weeks, but he's consistently, on average, m- scoring higher than his projection, but with a few weeks that are scoring lower. So um, I, I, I do think that it, it varies depending on um, you know a couple of key decisions that he has made throughout the uh throughout the year where you know i i think we look at his max possible um he's one of the highest in there in that category as well so a couple of times that he probably could have played somebody else that would have performed you know past their projection and that would have definitely consistently made it that he had has the ability to always outscore his projection um i think it definitely depends on who he actually chooses to play in some of those instances so um, overall, I think that he's got a much higher capability to pr- perform out, out of his projection, but he's definitely going to make the right decisions in those weeks. Hey, Reese, how you doing? <laughs> we have a guest visitor, everybody. Nice. Reese. <laughs> Don't worry about it, mate. Come here. You want to say hi real quick? 
Okay, say hi. Oh, you okay? Max is head. Say hi real quick. Hi real quick. Okay. Now, we're going to be nice and quiet, okay? Okay. Okay, now, shh. Daddy's going to talk. Hold on. All right, go. Well, Vince, you know, it, it's, it's interesting you bring up the Kevin thing because Kevin's gotten mad at us for always picking against him. But as we as we look at these projections, Kevin never wows you in these projections. But then he comes out and he goes on this six-game win streak. And, and it starts to kind of make sense now, you know, looking at his – he's outscoring his projections by so much. It, it's kind of nice, uh, I guess, a little uh, reassuring to me to know that you know, my eyes weren't necessarily deceiving me when it came to projections. Uh, and I felt like I was always picking against Kevin. Uh, but but truthfully, his team is just way out, outperforming what he should be doing. Kevin Kevin's team last week against my team had nine touchdowns, which is almost unheard of in a fantasy lineup. And usually touchdowns are not sustainable. It, it's just the, the tear he's on right now is almost unprecedented. Outside of, of what Steve was producing last year, but his team was obviously a, a super team. They're projected for 140 points a week. Um, it, Kevin's team right now definitely looks like the team to beat right now. I, I have to I have to second what you said there, Vince, because they are impressive. Yeah, and I mean, in looking at the um, you know the max possible really is uh, Kevin's team has moved up to the top spot. Um, you know, last last week it was. Uh, um, the, the, the results kind of showed that um, my team was going to be the top in that in that in that category. Now his team shows that he should be 10 and two if he performed the max possible versus his opponent performing at the max possible. And he's he's come away with uh, the, the most amount of points possible, basically, uh, each and every week. So um, and, and he's and he's really uh, he's he's not very lucky when it comes for the points against. Um, he's sitting, you know, I think probably fourth or fifth um just glancing at the numbers here in terms of points against in the max possible scenario so really he's he's got definitely um a, a challenging schedule i think more than anybody he's had some tough matchups um but but you can see at the end of the season here he's just on a on a on a kill streak you know just really um taking out every single one of, of his opponents uh, strategically and masterfully yeah third worst in points against so, like you said, he's uh, he's facing a kind of a murderous row all year of of teams, and it keeps coming out on top. I just know that I'm afraid to face him right now. As you should be. Yeah. Anything I'll just get him nice and drunk before uh, Sunday. That way, he makes poor decisions on his uh, lineup on on Sunday. <laughs> You could try that. Uh, Kevin works very well while intoxicated, so he uh, he'll still probably whoop your ass. I believe it. <laughs> if, if if it wasn't his hair, you know, uh, being flowing uh, so so elegantly through the wind, I would probably uh, be able to, to 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 see past it. But it just is confusing. It's smoke and mirrors, and I can't I can't handle it. No, you know, and that's something we haven't talked about. Kevin Hewlett, best hair in the league, Definitely. hands down. Definitely. I, I know I've got some recession going on uh, at, the, at, the, at the top of my head here. Um, it's, 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 it's starting to thin a little bit. I, every time I take a shower, I see a bunch of hairs on the ground. So, uh, you know, game's over for me, I think, in the future. Let's come on over to the dark side, Vince. <laughs> Start shaving it. <laughs> I can't grow that luscious beard that you have, though, Tony. That's the problem. It offsets. Yeah, I think uh, I think Tim could give Kevin a run for his money. 
Tim used to have a, a real nice flow, but has since you know gone professional with it. But uh, Kevin, I mean, the the reddish blonde—I think they call it a strawberry blonde. Um, dude, he just yeah, it's a great flow, great yeah. flow. I guess Steve might be the only other potential to to beat him out. Um, I just assume that if he grows his hair out, that it looks you know. Uh, just kind of like the hair metal bands in the in the past, where their hair was better than most of the women's. Yeah, you know, and Steve has always uh, put a lot of time and effort into his hair. Uh, I remember he used to the, the product Sun In. You would spray in your hair, uh, so it would it would go more blonde in the summer. He was a big fan of that product. He probably still is. Yeah, he probably should have been spending more time on his legs, though. Probably uh, needed to go to the gym and hit the, you know. Hit the, uh, the the hamstring machine a couple times and the quad machine. <laughs> oh, Steve been called out. I absolutely love it. All right, Vince, we're going to get you out of here before you make any more enemies. That is the Fortune 500 League's ESPN Fantasy Football Analytics brought to you by Nextel. Communication is easier with Nextel. Thanks for joining us, Vince. Thank you. Oh, please. Please, just a small loan. I, I I can't stay on the show without a sponsor. I mean, you've got to have money left over from that signing bonus. But, but Melissa will never know. All right, just think about it. Hey, Frosty listeners, intern Dave here, a.k.a. Mr. Clinch to Playoff Birth. No shameless plug in today's segment for, well, certain reasons. So uh, let's jump right into our review question on the ABCs of the ACTs. Just to please my bosses, I've selected this question from the science section of the ACT. An E. coli culture in LB media growing in aerobic conditions was used to inoculate a new fast flask, should have been the English, flask of LB media which was then allowed to grow in anaerobic conditions. Given that in E. coli, different metabolic pathways are used for growth in anaerobic and aerobic conditions, which of the following could be a growth curve for the culture grown in anaerobic conditions? Whew. Okay, so here I'm going to describe the, uh, the, the curves that are shown in this question. A, uh, we've got a, a curve here that starts off at the origin and kind of curves forward a bit and then uh, has a bit of a constant slope for what appears to be eight hours. B, this one shows a pretty sharp increase out of the gate and around uh, two hours or so, she peters off a bit and, and stays constant for like 1.2 of something. I'm assuming the unit here is population. Who knows? I didn't read the passage. Okay, here we go. C. All right. This is the party curve. Starts off kind of like curve A and then peters off. Boot. Rally. Party time. Nine hours in time for a nap. Okay. Nice. I like, I like C. D. You know... I don't know what the fuck this curve's doing. Basically, it's the E or of curves. And I'm not even going to describe it any more than that. Uh, there's no way that's possibly the answer. Well, you know, I don't know about you guys. My bet is on the party curve. C. So let's go ahead and uh, 
scroll down to the answer key. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait, uh, which question was this? Let me go back up. Uh, okay, question 40 of the science section. Scroll back down. I'll be honest, I don't really know what the answer key is. I haven't checked it out yet. Uh, hopefully, I haven't gotten any wrong. Uh, here we go. Okay, answer is C, the party curve. Hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right, nice. All right, so tune in next week where we might as well go over the writing question for the ACT. Uh, this has been the ABCs of the ACT, brought to you by a married guy who has exchanged sponsorship for shed painting. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Frosty Podcast. And next up, we have the forecast presented by Goliath National Bank, the world leader in credit and banking. And Tony, to finish off our regular season forecast, we have a very, very special guest. This guest was a coach in the league for multiple years and is the first person to lose the toilet bowl and was destined to take the ACT. However, never did. Welcome, coach of Desd and Confused, Jordan Pennell. All right. All right. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Tony. What a what a nice introduction. And all of that is true. Lost the toilet bowl and skipped that on the ACT. So, Pennell, everybody wants to know, why uh, why'd you decide to skip the ACT? Uh, there are a lot of different reasons, Derek, but, uh, I think the most important reason and the most truthful reason is my pride and ego would not allow me to take that test again. Uh, I took it once in high school. I will not share my score. I don't think I would do much better the second time around. So I couldn't bring myself to do it again. Listen, and I, could, I couldn't waste a couple hours on a Saturday either. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> That's fair. So, you know, fast forward to to now, uh, last year, Kenzie Allback lost the toilet bowl and also did not take the ACT. Did you guys so, take her out of the league? Yeah, she's out. Um, <laughs> two, so two we, for uh, two. Yeah, yeah, I'm a trend center over here. <laughs> so we've, we've adapted it a little bit. Uh, so now the ACT is going to be done at a bar. We're going to self-proc right. the exam. Uh, but the the ridicule is going to be fierce. There's still going to be some public humiliation, and the results are going to be posted. And now we have a podcast, so now it goes out to the masses. So well, I think I think Coach Pano might have to rejoin the league then if it's if the if the commission lets me in. <laughs> well, that well, we'll give you the location of the ACT panel, and we'll have one waiting there for you. You got you got to pay your dues first. You you owe us a test. <laughs> All right, uh, that's the so right then, of passage. Uh, then reinstatement can occur. <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. I can deal with that. Well, you know, Pennell, one thing that I, I say I will respect about you is your Twitter game. If anybody's not following Pennell currently, at Jordan T. Pennell, that's two N's and two L's, uh, your Twitter game is strong, my friend. Well, I appreciate that, and um, actually the last tweet I had was, proud to be awesome, so that's what you're going to get yourself into on, on Twitter with me. Listen, pedal tweets are my favorite tweets. 
And uh, if you don't catch that reference, go check out Pennell's Twitter. Oh, oh, I got you. I got you, man. That's very slick what you did there. (laughs) All right, let's get right into it here. We have the rematch of the Rocky Top Rumble as Steve Groover's 7-5, the EBDBB&B, currently sitting at third in the sales team division, go into town to take on Charlie Thurber's, also 7-5, capital expenditures, sitting at fourth place in the sales team division. Charlie got the best of this. Uh, last time in week five, winning 138.1 to 120.8. This week, projected also to win 131.7 to Groover's 129.1 penal. Does Charlie take King of Knoxville 2019, or does Groover have something to say about it? I think Groover's got a lot to say about it. Looking at his roster, you know, to, to a guy like me, I, I can't believe that you guys let him draft Lamar Jackson, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Delvin Cook. I mean, that, that's a heavy skill position um, roster this guy's got. So I'm not buying the projected totals. We're going to go with uh, Groover on this. I think he's going to get his revenge here against uh, the capital expenditures. That's That's my take. I'm rolling with Steve, liking the Lamar Jackson, Dalvin Cook, and Zeke Elliott with those skill positions. I think they're, he's in for a big day. Yeah, I, I got to go with you here on this one. I think, you know, Lamar Jackson, I think, may struggle a bit against that San Francisco defense. Um, nobody really seems to be able to slow him down ever since that Browns game early in the year. Uh, so we'll see if, if San Francisco's up to the challenge. That is a, a top-tier defense, and, and we'll see what he does. But he's coming off a monster week. Uh, but Zeke Elliott going up against Buffalo, I feel pretty good about that one. On the other side, Baker going at Pittsburgh. Uh, with everything that transpired a couple weeks ago, I don't think Baker has what it takes to overcome that. I think it's going to be a, a high-emotion game, and I don't think it goes well. Um, I do like Michael Thomas against Atlanta, though, uh, for Charlie. So I think this game is close, but I'm with you there, Pennell. I'm going Groover. Uh, Tony, we have a sweep on this one? Uh, this is a tough one. Looking at Charlie's roster right now, he is heavy into this Tampa Bay-Jacksonville game. He's got four different components of it. Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Mike Evans, D.D. Westbrook. If that game uh, turns into the, the shootout that he – clearly expects it to be he's going to be in really good shape if it ends up being uh, a bit of a slugfest and doesn't really materialize into a high scoring affair then he's going to be hurting big time I think he has too many eggs in one basket here I know I took him earlier in the year and he uh, made me look right in, in taking leg one of the Rocky Top Rumble but I think Steve gets him back this time and heads into the playoffs on a high note Next up, we have another rivalry game as Tyler Kerr's Cyberdyne Systems, currently sitting at 4-8, and eight, fifth in the warehouse division, goes on to take Kalen King's Prestige Worldwide, also 4-8, and eight, third in the warehouse division. And the rumpus in Columbus is alive and well. Kalen expected to take this one 117.7, to Tyler Kerr's even 100 penal. 
does Kalen take game two of the Rumpus in Columbus? Well, you know, if, if I had the opportunity to sit down with Tyler, we would we would certainly work on his starting lineup that he has right now. Got a guy like Aaron Rodgers sitting on your bench. You know, I, I don't know how he starts. I don't know how a guy like Jacoby Brissett gets the nod over Rodgers. You know, Rodgers playing a weak, pathetic New York Giants squad. So I, I, I think Tyler needs to work on this roster to even uh, – you know, catch up to Kalen, but we'll, we'll go with Kalen. The four four and eight matchup is uh is my kind of matchup in fantasy football. Yeah, the, these are teams that are currently fighting for for seeding in the toilet bowl at this point. Ty coming off a a rough week last week, uh, you know, really not not doing well at all. Not projected to do well this week, but I think Todd Gurley coming off a bad week last week is going to have something to say about it. You know, whether he ends six with Jacoby Brissett or ends up going with Aaron Rodgers, we'll see. I have a feeling as the week gets closer and as he listens to this podcast, he might go ahead and flip Rodgers into that spot. Uh, but on the other side, Matt Ryan has, has been struggling. That Atlanta offense really struggling to get going. Uh, Damian Williams with Kansas City going up against Oakland. That defense is hot and cold. It depends on the day. Nick Chubb, though, I think is going to have himself a week. Uh, that Pittsburgh defense is is struggling, and I think with with Baker struggling, uh, which it was my prediction on last game, I think Nick Chubb is able to fill that void. Uh, but you know, ultimately, I think this is one of those weeks where Ty comes back out of nowhere and takes it. I think he's he's getting nervous, staring down that toilet bowl and staring down that ACT. Uh, I think Ty pulls out the win, Tony. Well, the story of the quarterbacks for uh, for Ty, and not I'm, I'm not even talking about Jacoby Brissett and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Jared Goff has is probably the guy who's to blame for most of Ty's uh, low scoring weeks at this point. With how many Rams Ty has in his lineup, uh, I know Gurley's in his lineup right now. He got Zerline at kicker, and Robert Woods has been there at receiver for most of the year. It'll be interesting to see if he swaps him back in there. Um, but you know. Goff, with how badly he has played down the stretch, has really just tanked Tyler's team. And I think this this could be a get-right game for Jared Goff and the Rams. They got the Cardinals, who are not very good defensively. I think that game could turn into a shootout. I think that could propel uh, Tyler to get a big victory here and keep him out of that 10 seed. I, I don't like a lot of the matchups that Kalen has here. I do like the Chubb against Pittsburgh one, but I don't think the Falcons show up to play. Uh, Thanksgiving night against New Orleans. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Ty, but Ty, I'm pleading with you. You cannot have Kalen Balaj in your starting lineup. He's the worst running back in football. <laughs> Please make that change. <laughs> Player rank 57. <laughs> All right, next up, we have the rematch of the clash at Kreischer, where Tim Taft's four and eight, the Green Dragon, come in to take on Tony's six and six. Nooks and Fannies. This is also a rivalry in the warehouse division. Tim currently sitting at four. Tony sitting in second, but really in danger of not making the playoffs there, Tony. But good news for you. You're currently projected to take this one 126.6 to Tim's 109.1. So, Pennell, do you think these uh, predictions hold true and Tony's able to take it? 
Yeah, I, I think so, Derek. Looking at that Tony's roster, it's a it's another one where, you know, how did you let this guy uh, draft so well at the at the skilled possession skilled positions? Um, although I'm a big fan of Josh Allen, you know, he's he's been a quite a surprise this year. Um, I got burned by him in in my fantasy league. Uh, he turned out to be the top uh, point getter in our league. So Josh Allen is definitely capable of bringing it against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they come off a tough loss at at New England. Um, so Josh is definitely capable of, of putting up some big numbers. But I'm going to roll with Tony, um, not because he's on this podcast, because I, I really like the, the the players he has. Adam Thielen in, in a, a flex position is really, really nice. So I'm going to go with uh, Nooks and Fannies on this one. Pedal, I'm, I'm struggling on this one because I, I think you're very right in pointing out the Dallas piece of it. And so you have Josh Allen going up against that Dallas defense for for Tim. And on the flip side of that, you have Bill's defense going up against Dallas for Tony. You know, Jerry Jones has been out in the news. I know you're you're a Cowboys guy. You know, Jerry Jones has been out really bashing on the coaches in, in Dallas really all year. And Jason Garrett is on the hot seat. He has been for a long time. And I think that seat is now on fire. How does the team respond to that open criticism from their owner and GM? I don't know. Uh, Garrett has seemed to really be a player's coach. The guys seem to like him. They rally around him. But this has been a very disappointing season. Bill Belichick has always said the season starts after Thanksgiving. Dallas playing in a Thanksgiving Day game against Buffalo, but playing at home I think bodes well for them. So I'm going with... Dallas really to to do well here and shut down that Bills defense and make them look terrible. So I'm going with Tim Taft's the Green Dragon. And to be honest, the real reason for that is I want to see Tony in the toilet bowl. Uh, Tony, I know you're not going to pick it, but how are you feeling going into this game? Looking at my lineup, I should feel great going into this. This is finally the week I've been waiting for from a matchup standpoint. I have Aaron Jones against the Giants, uh, Kamara against the Falcons, Cooper Cup against the Cardinals. Maybe he finally comes back to life this week. Uh, DJ Moore, who is uh, coming to life right now, faces the Redskins. I have Ertz against the Dolphins. I have great matchups all over the field here. Uh, But clearly, all season long, uh, the projections have meant uh, nothing at all. So definitely has me a little bit nervous going into this game. Uh, you, you can call me Jason Garrett here, Derek. Um, team has been very talented all year. They've been underperforming. I haven't got the best out of them. And I'm, I'm a little nervous going down the stretch. So uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see if, unlike Garrett, if I can turn this around and maybe turn this into a playoff bid. <laughs> you heard it here first. Tony is Jason Garrett. He's going to get fired at the end of this year. All right, panel. Next game. And I'm going to give you a little background on this here. So we have Vince Gorgonzola's Grandpa's Cheese Barn, who really from draft day has been a solid team, uh, was top scorer for the vast majority of the year, sitting at eight and four, first in the sales team division. Kevin Hulick got off to a terrible start and has really since been on is a six game win streak now, uh, but started out at one and five and has overtaken as top scorer in the league and really 
no signs that he's slowing down. So this is a a one versus one with major seeding implications. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be our game of the week because I I don't think it has quite the pressure that, that our game of the week does have. But this is a big one to circle on your calendar. So Vince Gorgonzola's Grandpa's Cheese Barn currently projected to lose 121.8 to 126.6. If ESPN had it their way, Kevin would be on a seven-game win streak. So, Pennell, does that happen? Does Kevin go to seven in a row? You know what? Kevin's my guy. You know, I, I, this is this is a real tight matchup as is. Um, I think uh, – Grandpa's Cheese Barn needs to work on their uh, starting lineup, uh, which could completely turn the projections for this this matchup. But, you know, I think I'm going to roll with uh, Kevin, make it seven in a row. I imagine Vince will update his lineup and put Patrick Mahomes back in over Sam Darnold. Uh, and then you obviously have Saquon going in there against a, a Packers defense who couldn't really seem to stop anybody last week. I, I have to imagine... And this is what always happens is we always have Kevin's team. He always looks okay, not great. Uh, This is probably one of his more high projections for the week. And I have always picked against him, and he seems to win. And I have no plans on changing that streak. So I'm going Vince Vince Gorgonzola's Grandpa's Cheese Barn to win this one, ending Kevin's win streak. And, you know, we'll see what happens when playoff time comes. This may be... The uh, this may be rematched in the championship game. Tony, who are you going with? Well, fresh off a uh, a game against Kevin, where his team completely went off and all but one player ended up scoring touchdowns. Uh, his team is definitely for real right now. They are on a tear uh, that really defies uh, analytics. It defies most of what we know in fantasy football. Teams are not supposed to be beating their projections this much, this many weeks in a row. Uh, and you have to sit back and just wonder, how much longer can this go on? I think it goes on another week. Look at these matchups, though. Uh, this, I think that Saints against Falcons matchup on Thanksgiving night is going to be very heavy Saints. That's going to help him with Drew Brees and Jared Cook there. Uh, Godwin against the Jags could put up big points again. Derrick Henry is starting to round into form. This is his time of year here where defenses are tired and he starts picking up some of those long runs. Uh, Vince definitely has some good ammunition there, but I think Kevin takes him this week and takes that number one seed, the president's cup, if you will. I love it. In our game of the week, we have Joe Reedy's six and six footloose prosthetics going into town to take on Dave Peschen's seven and five super sack. Joe, as we mentioned, is really in a very convoluted playoff scenario. But bottom line to Joe is you you probably need to win this week to have a chance. If you lose, you're probably out. So this is a big week for Joe. On the flip side, Dave, with a win, you know, looking at seeding in the playoffs, it, it may matter a lot for him. But currently, Joe projected to lose 114.7 to 126.5, which would all but secure Joe's toilet bowl spot. Now, last time these two teams faced off, Joe Reedy won at 135.1 to uh, Dave's 123.9. That was back in week six. 
Uh, so, Pennell, in this highly contested game, who's going to take it? Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Two handsome, really solid dudes got to, you know, go head to head. And I, I think Reedy's destined for the, the Tolable playoffs. Um, I look at Peston's roster here. Um, he has probably the best player in football with uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, two really solid possession receivers and Landry and Edelman. And I, I just like the matchup better for Peshin this week. Um, I think it will be a close matchup, uh, given the nod to Peshin and sending Mr. Reedy to the toilet bowl playoffs. Yeah, this is a tough game to pick because I like, I like parts of each roster. Obviously the Christian McCaffrey thing is huge. Jarvis Landry coming off a big game going up against Pittsburgh. If I'm right about Baker, then then Jarvis is going to have a tough game. Tom Brady has not shown anything to say he's going to light up the scoreboard. He's averaging 16.7 points, which is pretty average in the league. On the other side, Joe's got Russell Wilson, second top quarterback going up against Minnesota. Uh, so so not an easy game there. But Le'Veon Bell Going up against Cincinnati, I expect he'll have a pretty good game. And anytime a guy is starting a former Notre Dame Golden Domer, as Joe is with Golden Tate, it's hard for me to pass up. But ultimately, I think I'm going to. And I'm going to take Dave in this one. I think Christian McCaffrey going up against that, that Redskins defense, it's not a very good team. Uh, you know, Julian Edelman... This is this is the time the Patriots usually turn it on. And then that Steeler defense going up against Cleveland. Again, if I'm correct, I think they're going to do well. So I'm going Pestian. Tony, is this a clean sweep? Well, we went over all the playoff scenarios a little bit earlier. And obviously the, the easiest outcome here uh, for to make everything clear would be Dave winning here. Uh, Joe goes into the toilet bowl playoffs there. It's not, not a given if he loses, but it's uh, that is definitely the likely track. If there's something that we've learned from this year and doing this podcast and, and following the season all the way through, it's that nothing has really been clear cut all year. Nothing has gone the easy way. Uh, I don't think it does. So on week 13 either, I think Joe's team uh, gets the unlikely victory and sends this whole thing into chaos. So uh, buckle up, people. I think it's going to come down to the wire this weekend. There's going to be a lot of nervous people all the way to the end. And that'll do it for the forecast presented by Goliath National Bank, the world leader in credit and banking. And Pennell, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And uh, again, make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Jordan T. Pennell. That's two N's and two L's in panel. Uh, thanks, fellas. I, I appreciate the opportunity. The pleasure's all mine, and I'll come back as much or as little as you want me to. And thanks again to Jordan Pennell. That'll do it for us here at the Frosty Podcast. We are presented by Steel Valley Media. On behalf of the Fortune 500 League, I'm your host, Derek Frost. Your co-host is Tony Perenni. Our interns are Dave Peschen and Vince Gorgonzola. Here at the Frosty Podcast, we wish a very happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. And in this season of thanks, we thank you for listening and supporting us. Enjoy the backyard football, the turkey, and all the NFL action this Thursday. We'll see you next time for round one of the playoffs. All right, Vincent.
You ready? Yes, sir. I don't understand your chart anymore. You've lost me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that is the uh, the the essence of finance uh, is just you know it's a cloud of smoke and if you just put a bunch of numbers up, nobody understands but they listen to you. Yeah. Just keep adding columns until people stop following you, and then all of a sudden, they just, they just assume your numbers are right. Yes. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that check. No. I don't also, way to have not paid attention to the playoff bracket all year until today. Fuck. What? <laughs> okay, let's just let's just talk about that for a second. So. <laughs> I I do not quite understand it. So okay, what I understood was you're you've got the best, you know, the, it goes by what records and then points for if you have a tied record, or is it by division that you had to win your division? I don't understand it at all. So what is it? The, the bye weeks are the first round buys are by division. So winner of each division gets the buy, and then I think it's records from there, right, Tony? Yeah, and then uh, total points is the tiebreaker, and I. I shot a note to Steve today that I think, like, moving forward next year, the head-to-head -head battle should supersede the total points since we made the custom schedule and made these divisions and everything. I, think that would make I more agree sense. with that. I agree with that 100%. So, yeah. but, so, so looking at that, so you've got – it's me and Kevin at the top, and then you've got you got four other people to go. That would be Charlie, Steve, Dave, and then the tiebreaker is Joe and Tony based on record. Right? Yes. Because Charlie, Steve, and Dave are both at seven and five. You and Joe are at six and six. Yeah. Therefore, you have more points for one four nine zero versus one four seven one. Therefore, you're in the playoffs, not Joe. Right now, we have one more week. You have one more week. Yeah. So next. Oh wait, wait. Next this week, week is the last week. Coming up is the last week. Oh, I thought we had. I thought this is the last week, and then. Got it. Okay, now it all makes sense. That's why. There's where the issue was. That's that's where I fucked up. Okay, got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now we're now we're gotcha there eventually. Derek was recording all of that though. I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> it wasn't as good as the Barnes and Noble discussion, but we'll take it. Um, you'll do something with it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and that's what she said. <laughs> no i just like go back to the barnes and noble discussion not just for the fact that we're still recording it <laughs> i am shocked though because like everybody else has gone out of business and like they're like as they were trying to get into the 21st century they failed with that nook mm. and i'm like i don't know what's keeping them no i, I, I don't either that's why this this private company bought the, like they used to be pro publicly traded and their stock kept slipping, slipping, slipping until eventually this private group just bought them out, which basically is going to save them for a couple years. But but that, uh, that company just, is the is the place that owns bookstores in the UK. Yeah, like, they're in the same boat. I don't know why they're a hedge fund though. Yeah, it's a hedge fund. It's just buying up these book companies. I don't. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to try and resell them or something. I don't know. I will tell you this: that Amanda went there with the uh, aspiration of buying a book and she left empty handed. <laughs> so no <Like>, sales there. <laughs> so, no rebound today. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, they were always able to stay in business because they sold, they got really good pricing. So they were able to sell lower than everybody else. The problem though, is that now 
they can't like Amazon's better. And even like their online stuff, they're they're competitive with Amazon generally for online pricing, but they don't have all the other stuff that Amazon has. So I don't know, like I've never really heard them getting into like the textbook game. Like that's where I would have gone. Uh, and then even like, you know, the renting of textbooks and all that, like obviously that's where Amazon went, but you know, they could, they could have jumped on that and they would have been more of a household name at the time, but they just, they didn't do that. And so I don't, I don't know how they're making money, but there's always people in there and, and there's always at least some, some of a line for, um, Starbucks. Well, a Starbucks. And is that it? Like, are they bringing people in for Starbucks? They're getting, the least deals from Starbucks, but I, mean, I will tell you, Starbucks they, like, yeah, we don't need you anymore. I will tell you, they had a fantastic train set there for Reese that really kept him occupied the whole time. So at least yeah. they're doing that part right. Well, it's, I mean, they, they have toys. They have like a bunch of like Harry Potter stuff. Like, so they have a bunch of like board games. Like that's the place you go for board games now if, if you're not going to buy them online. But I don't know. I mean, is there still a big group of people that want to hold the book in their hand and not go online? Like you get in that counterculture of people who don't want to shop at big business. And at this point, Barnes and Noble is less of a big business than Amazon. Yeah, that's uh, true. And and I, and they definitely that is the case. They still have a lot of people that want to hold a book. And, uh, and I think that that trend is coming back now. Um, it's almost, you know, the whole um I'm not conforming to a phone kind of thing. But uh, I, I I also think that, you know, places like Half Price Books, um, some coffee shop bookstores type of thing, you know, th- th- those are where you find the weirdos um, that just kind of sit in the, the bookstore all day. Uh, used to be my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always like, yeah, there's always people sitting in Barnes & Noble just like reading. Um, Drinking their fucking Starbucks. Yeah. Just pounding down the caffeine. Don't think they're buying anything, though. (laughs) No. no, Just read a bunch of shit and they put it back in the shelf. It's the thing that's going to save them. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to read two chapters a day. Well, we went to Barnes and Noble in Baltimore. It's it's in the Inner Harbor. Like, the the lease has to be ridiculously expensive in this, like, up and coming area. And I'm just like, man, like, it's a bookstore. (laughs) <laughs> like there were a ton of people in there but like not the line wasn't that big so i don't know i don't know they have to reinvent themselves and i haven't seen it happen yet no they're running out of time to do it mm-hmm. <laughs> quickly 